Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space, space. space to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped right, right. boat neck sweaters. sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Happy, happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are enjoying either current turkey, leftover turkey, depending on when you're listening to this. Hopefully you're stuffing your face, putting on major pounds, uh, spiking your cholesterol to very unhealthy levels. And I say that with love and adoration because you can only live once. You might as well enjoy it this week. And then if you want to, go to the gym next week and get healthy. We're going to get healthy with some great college football talk as we do each and every week on the J.C. and Morgan podcast. He is J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. J.C. is back in the mecca of college football, Atlanta. I am straight off a trip from South Carolina to call a Gamecock football game to Disney World to call a basketball tournament uh which has got some really good teams here by the way uh, i just say parenthetically lsu florida state oklahoma state villanova uh be a lot of fun but we're going to talk some college football jc first off happy thanksgiving uh thanks happy thanksgiving to you brother and i uh, hope everybody out there that's listening is enjoying time with their family and counting their blessings they are uh you and i have work to do uh and we don't mind doing it i consider this a labor of love and if you've uh if you've ever been in in the business of sports casting whether it's announcing or talk shows or anything else you know that you're going to work holidays like <laughs> that's just part of the deal and uh i'm good it's a small price to pay for doing something that you love so here we are recording this actually on a thanksgiving day before uh, things get pretty crowded this past weekend you know so often we start off these podcasts and we we the great thing about recording them typically on a wednesday in this case a little bit later is that you've got a chance to look back a couple of days and what happened and then look ahead this is going to be a lot more about looking ahead because quite frankly last weekend is one of the worst in college football not just in the sec uh, and I want to get into that conversation real in just a moment. But but first off, nationally, I mean, look, some people thought Syracuse would give Notre Dame a game. They got boat raced. Mm-hmm. Um, the Big 12 has been entertaining this year, although I still think they're going to be on the outside looking in on the playoff. Uh, but Texas beats Iowa State, so they're going to be in the conference championship game. Congratulations to Tom Herman and company. Well, they uh, they have to beat yeah. Kansas. I know, I know. I, hey, hey, look, Kansas has not been an easy out for Texas. You're, you're right. Years, but I, I, I wanted to throw that caveat in there. But yeah, it looks yes. likely that the Longhorns will be playing in Dallas next week. Yeah, if, if I'm if I'm wrong on this. KU football nation, all twelve of you that are actually not into basketball season yet, I will I will owe you a sincere apology. I will I will uh, berate myself on next week's podcast. And by the way, congratulations to Les Miles. I I'm glad to see Les getting back in. 
I don't know if it's a great hire. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if Kansas football can be repaired. You know, you had the, the Mangino era, which is which was so far ahead of the curve of what Kansas football has been. But um, I, I'm, I'm happy for Les. So congratulations to Les Miles. Yeah, yeah me too. I, I, I think. I think it's a it's a hire that makes sense for Kansas to a certain extent. Um, I don't know that it makes much sense for Les Miles. I, I I think he could have probably, with some movement at Purdue or another job, gotten a Big Ten job where I think he's a better fit. I don't know if he's a fit mm-hmm. in that league. They certainly will likely be a different style than a lot of those teams. Um, and who am I to say he won't go and, and have some success? Mangino, obviously – set the bar there. Um, I think they made a mistake, a, a very PC type of mistake when they, when they got rid of Mangino. And I think they've paid the price with Turner Gill mm-hmm. and Charlie Weiss. And then David Beatty had such a hole to dig out of. I thought winning three games this year would save him, but apparently not. Jeff Long, of course, uh, is a guy that uh, marches to the beat of his own drum and tried to hire less at Arkansas uh, away mm-hmm. from LSU. So this is kind of one of those things that, has been brewing over the years, and uh, we'll see how the hat does in Lawrence, Kansas. But certainly, um, certainly, I am glad that Les Miles is back in the game. He's a coach. I've, I'll never forget the one time I met him. We were going. Um, I was at a quarterback camp in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, it, I'm at the Holl- no, I'm at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn, right? So I'm on. I get I get on the elevator, and who's there? Les Miles and Cam Cameron with their two kids. Hmm. And Les Miles looks over and he's like, we're just a bunch of crazy guys here, you know, and it's just like with his, you know, looking like Richard Nixon shaking his head and stuff. And I'll just never forget how, like, nice and inviting and, you know, what a great personality, albeit quirky, that guy has. And his opening press conference was just bizarre. But, um, you know, I'm glad to see him back in the game. I, I think – Regardless of how it turns out, college football needs more less miles. It needs more personalities. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a hole that's been left when guys like Steve Spurrier left the game. Um, thank goodness for Mike Leach. I, I wish he was in the SEC. I, I wish I could cover more of Mike Leach. Um, it's fantastic, but we we don't have many many of those left. I mean, even Jim Harbaugh he'll give you a good quote every now and then and god forbid if if he does wind up beating ohio state i have a feeling he's going to have a lot of fun with that i have a feeling he's going to have a lot to say on social media and everywhere else but he's been kind of kept in check because before this season kept losing to the two biggest rivals on the michigan schedule but yeah i I think i think it's good for college football to, to get less back in i just hope it's not like a like a Larry Coker at Texas San Antonio situation. Uh, you know, I, I, I hope it's a situation where you got a, a coach that has a national championship ring who can stay relevant at a place where it's really hard to be relevant in the sport of college football, but you now maybe he can pull it off. We'll, we'll see. Um, again, not a ton of great games. Oklahoma state always seems to put on a great show. <laughs> they, they might be in terms of like, if you want to go ahead and put on a, a good game and a, a good showing, put Oklahoma state in a big 12 matchup, win or lose, they provide a, a lot of fireworks. So that was, that was a lot of fun. UCF had college game day there and they showed out against Cincinnati. I don't know if that changes anybody's opinion about UCF. 
Uh, but they win 38 to 13. They're still not going to be in the playoff. And, you know, we can still have all kinds of uh, debates about that, but it's not going to matter a, a, a hill of difference in terms of the, uh, the final effect. Clemson blows out Duke and they seem to be well on their way to another playoff. Although we'll get into rivalry week and obviously they got a big one against South Carolina at death Valley. I, I will say this. I got into a debate cause we're, you know, your typical broadcast, um, we get together on Friday and we talk to coaches and then we have, you know, what we call a production meeting and it's me and it's the, the analyst in this case, Barrett Jones, former Alabama offensive lineman. It's, uh, our sideline reporter. It's our producer and our director and our producer who I love. So I'm not picking on him. Our producer happens to be a proud alum of an ACC school. Okay. And he brought up the fact, he said, you know, if this game gets away, and eventually it did. Gamecocks blew out the uh, the mocks of UT Chattanooga. If this game gets away, I would like to go ahead and put up the entire SEC schedule and talk about how lopsided this is and get your guys' opinion on it. And look, it's no secret. Uh, my background is in the SEC. Uh, I love the conference. I do a lot of SEC games. But by no means do I. I don't get into conference debates. I don't hate on the ACC or the Big 12 or the Big 10. I just like good products, and I like good games. And believe it or not, when we broadcast a game, we don't have a rooting interest. We just want to put together a good show and have a competitive game. But we got into this rather de- somewhat heated debate because he was trying to say, the ACC doesn't do this. The Pac-12 doesn't do this. The SEC ought to be embarrassed. And my point is, look, I agree the timing of it's not great. It, I, ideally, they would spread all these matchups up, out. So Atlanta, Alabama would play the Citadel a week earlier. Georgia would play UMass two weeks earlier. Florida would play Idaho three weeks earlier, et cetera, et cetera. But as it happens on the calendar, it's all in week 12. But if you were to break down the other schools, the other conferences, for example, Washington State, now, nobody talked about how weak the Pac-12 schedule was this week, but who did Washington State play out of conference? Wyoming, San Jose State, and Eastern Washington. And that's your best. That's the best program right now running in the Pac-12. Look at who the Big 12 plays out of conference. Okay, and yeah, I know it's a round robin. You play nine conference games. Hats off to you. But look at their out of conference schedule. Look at some of the Big 10 schools and look at who they line up out of conference. My point is... If we were to take the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12, and we were to take all of their cupcakes and all put them lined up in one week in week 12, then that would be a national story. And everybody would say, look at how bad the schedule is for that particular conference. They don't play anybody. But because they just spread them out or they play them early in the year, it doesn't get the same national attention. I don't think the SEC has to apologize for who they schedule. Would I like to see a nine-game conference schedule? Of course. What fan would not? But you can't argue with the formula. It's nine out of the last 12 years the SEC has won a national championship, and many of those they have done it by playing a soft team in week 12. So what, what is the solution? What are you going to do to change the way of thinking there? I just think in a lot of ways it's much to do about nothing, and everybody likes to kind of take a, this, this great moral stance on the whole thing. I, I don't think it's – I think it's a whole lot to do about nothing in, in the final analysis because – Every power five school out there is lining up cupcakes. The SEC just does it all in one week. 
Yeah, and look, man. I mean, l- let's get be honest here. Uh, you know, the 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 ACC is the only other conference besides the SEC that that doesn't play nine conference games. Okay, you look at that league one through fourteen. First and foremost, uh, and, and I talked to a Division one head coach that does not coach in that league. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, last week actually, and they said the ACC is as bad as he's seen it. it. It's a bad, bad league this year. In 2016, I think a strong argument could be made. It was a better league top to bottom in the Southeastern Conference. Agreed. Uh, you had the national champion. You had the top pick in the NFL draft at quarterback. You had Deshaun Watson, who could have made a strong case to have been the Heisman Trophy winner and the top pick in the draft. It was probably the best player in college football, and O led his team to a national title. And then you had the guy that actually won the Heisman Trophy and Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, not to mention guys like Evans at Virginia Tech, the quarterback at Georgia Tech that year, Justin Rogers, I think was announced, or Justin, maybe Roberts, Justin, Justin somebody, Justin Thomas. Uh, he was outstanding. Um, they had great quarterback play in that league. Um, you know, even uh, Nate Peterman at Pitt was outstanding that year. They had some good teams, and, to- and the SEC was kind of going through a transitional period, not a lot of great quarterback play. Um, you had Purdue graduate transfers starting at different places at Florida and LSU. You had JUCO guys starting graduate transfers and a bunch of true freshmen. Um, and, and so I, I think an argument could have been made there. One season, though, does not mean your league has arrived. Um, so, so, so let's, let, let's take this. And, and also, I'll, I'll say this. You know, when North Carolina is bad, they're really bad. When Virginia is bad, they're really bad. You know, when when the teams like Wake Forest and Duke that are supposed to be bad are bad, they're really bad. That you know, programs like Duke and Wake Forest, um, you know, they don't they don't have the resources to be great. You can even throw Syracuse into there, even though they're having an outstanding season and they do have some tradition. Um, you know, so when you're scheduling, um, like if you're Clemson this year. Yeah, you're going to play South Carolina at the end of the season, but it makes sense when you've got a Wake Forest on the schedule and your rotating opponent is Duke at home. You know, it makes sense to schedule that game against Texas A&M because otherwise you could be left out in the cold come playoff time. Um, and, and so I don't, I don't think. But, but look at look at this, Mike. I mean, look at this. Okay, in the SEC this year, all right, South Carolina. Clemson, okay, and Florida, Florida State, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, okay. Th- those are those are the givens, and Georgia playing Georgia Tech, okay. Those are the built-in four games every single year, okay. Texas A&M went out and scheduled Clemson. Um, Auburn scheduled Washington. Vanderbilt scheduled Notre Dame. Tennessee scheduled West Virginia. LSU scheduled Miami. I mean, where where is the SEC, given that you play eight conference games? And if you're in the West, you don't have a Vanderbilt. You know, Arkansas is down this year, but there's no way to tell that they'll stay down and not be a tough out at some point. Um, you know, where where are they ducking competition overall? I know SoCon Saturday sucks. That's a good use of alliteration by me, by the way. I like that. SoCon nice. Saturday sucks, and it sucks that we're in November and there's not a lot of meaningful football on that third weekend. It sucks that everybody kind of schedules that. But but you know what? Would you rather have that that weekend or the first weekend of the year, which is how it used to be when everybody played a cupcake? 
which is how many of the other conferences do it. Yeah. Which is, which is how, I mean, you look at, for example, the big 10 and what they schedule in week one, and it's a bunch of Mac teams and a bunch of laughable opponents more often than not. And of course the top two teams or so in every conference, like a Clemson and Florida state, they'll, they'll go ahead and schedule some tough at a conference because they're equipped to do it. And Michigan's going to do it. And Ohio state's going to do it. And the PAC 12, if Southern Cal ever gets back to what it should be, more on that in a moment, then then they'll do it again. But for the for the most part, the rest of the teams in the Power Five schools are finding what you call a paycheck game. You stroke a check, you bring in an inferior opponent, you walk out a W, everybody wins. That goes on. And the only reason SoCon Saturday, as you call it gets all the attention is because it all happens at the same time in late November. So it's, it might not be a good look, but measure it up against everybody else. It's not like these other conferences and these other coaches are going out of their way to get this brutal out of conference schedule in the sec just lining up patsies. That is a, a false narrative that comes out every year and I see it and I watch it and I'm just like, is anybody else going to bring up some facts here to this debate? Is anybody else going to, look at the other at a conference schedules of these other teams and, 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 and contrast them. And by the way, no matter what metric you go by the SEC's at a conference schedule, those games you mentioned, those rivalry games, the SEC ACC games that happen at this time every year, with the exception of Clemson, the SEC gets hurt because the ACC teams are so bad because Georgia tech is, is, I mean, mediocre, let's just say, uh, and they're going to be they're going to be run by Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson is just going to keep doing enough to keep his job and to keep apathy alive in in Atlanta when it comes to that program. It seems uh, when Louisville is going through a brutal, brutal transition, they went from a, a top twenty program to just awful. So that hurts Kentucky's strength of schedule. Florida State has been a debacle this year under Willie Taggart, so that hurts Florida's strength of schedule, and so on and so forth. So. Uh, those are usually very quality out of conference win, uh, excuse me, games for the SEC. This year, it actually hurts your overall quantitative outlook because they're all down. So, anyway, I just wanted to, to touch, and I don't want to go big further because again, I don't get end of conference debates. I don't care which conference is better on a given year. I'm not a shill for any league, and it doesn't matter to me at the end of the day which conference has a better out of conference winning percentage or what have it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't, it doesn't move the needle to me. I will say this. And I, I, (laughs) I don't think I'm, I'm saying anything controversial. You take any five year period in the last 20 years and probably for the next 20 year period. And more often than not more years, more than half of those years, so in other words, at least three out of five, more often four out of five, sometimes five out of five, the SEC is going to reign supreme. If those are facts, deal with it. There's nothing you can do to change it other than get those other programs better in their respective leagues. Okay, let's move on, shall we? Sure. Um, let's go into the, the matchups this weekend. Let's go into it. And then I do want to have one little thing to close with because I do think from an SEC standpoint, you got a nice little uh, – debate brewing about sec coach of the year it's not a slam dunk this year and as, as somebody pointed out i think it was peter burns you know, kirby smart's not even going to be mentioned for it because he's got georgia now where you expect georgia to win 10 games every year and compete for stuff but when you do that you're not winning a whole lot of coach of the years just like nick saban's not going to win 
the SEC Coach of the Year, at least not from a media standpoint. Coaches sometimes go by that. Well, the boy, the boy's 12-0. and He's got my vote. Well, media members don't look at it that way. Everybody acknowledges Alabama's got the most talent, so how do you win Coach of the Year? So we'll get into that in a second. Let's go over these matchups. Egg Bowl. Mm. Let's go from uh, the most recent to uh, later on. I realize some of you might be listening to this after the Egg Bowl takes place. We're recording this right before the Egg Bowl takes place. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Bulldogs started off as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, and that line just went up to 13 in some spots. We all know Ole Miss can score, but they can't play a lick of defense. Your thoughts on the game? Well, this is a dangerous game for Mississippi State because Ole Miss is capable of uh, putting points on the board. At the same time, Mississippi State has an outstanding defense. So so that's the matchup I'm looking at. You know, can Ole Miss get enough points um, and, uh, you know, sort of like they did last year. They won 31-28, I think, over in Starkville. Uh, and then defensively, can you, can you stop the Bulldogs for, with whatever they're going to try to do? on offense Uh, and so you know with it being in Oxford this is the season for Ole Miss it was the season last year because they're not going to a bowl um you know I I feel like it'll be a close game uh I don't know why the line went up like it did uh I I think a lot of people are probably putting faith in that Bulldog D and look they you know Miss Ole Miss has scored but when they played a defense that's been good which Mississippi State certainly is, they haven't. You know, they, they put 16 on the board uh, against uh, LSU, put 16 on the board against Auburn, and that was a late touchdown. And they put seven on the board first play of the game against Bama, and that was it. Um, you know, so it, it is an explosive offense that has potential, but when they've played some of these better defenses, they haven't. So, yeah, I think Mississippi State, this series goes back and forth. You remember a couple of years ago, Mississippi State rolls in there, I think, with a losing record, and they made a bowl even with that that year. Beats Ole Miss 55-20 and knocks Ole Miss out of the postseason. And then last year's surprise happened over in Starkville. Uh, I think the the road team uh, will continue to win. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see a very close, hard-fought game, uh, especially if Jordan Tamu and and those players on offense get into a a nice rhythm against the, the Mississippi State defense and, the Mississippi State defense maybe struggles a little bit with that tempo. But, I, I, you know, just looking at it, you know, I, Ole Miss has not, you know, put a lot of points on the board against a good defense this year so far. So I think, uh, I think it's probably what we're looking at is, uh, you know, a Mississippi State win. I think so, too. I think Mississippi State has finally uh, hit their stride. And Nick Fitzgerald, you know, sometimes I've, I've almost felt guilty that I've been a little – too critical of Nick. I just, I thought by year four he would improve as a passer, and he hasn't, um, and that's fine. I mean, he is what he is. He's one-dimensional quarterback, and in college football you can get away with that. He's an exceptional athlete, uh, and he'll he'll make some dazzling plays, and he does enough to win. Does enough to win in, in that offense combined with that defense. I like Mississippi State to win the game. Again, I, I love Matt Luke, and I, I love what he's been able to do under less than ideal circumstances, but you just have no D whatsoever. And and I don't know how quickly that's going to get better, but they better figure it out. Otherwise they're going to be, they're going to be stuck in this pattern where they're just fighting to get the six wins every year. And at some point that's not going to be good enough, even with a guy that 
everybody in, in Ole Miss Nation loves, and deservedly so. He's an extremely likable guy. He played there. Multiple family members that also played there, longtime assistant coach. But at some point, that's got to be fixed. I mean, you cannot play that bad a defense consistently. And I realize scholarship reductions and everything else has something to do with that, but about time to get that right. Yeah, and another thing you have to worry about just wrapping up the Egg Bowl is if it gets worse before it gets better. Because there was a lot of good recruiting that Hugh Freeze and his staff did. Getting an A.J. Brown to campus, they found Jordan Tamu. Um, they, they've gotten some good junior college guys. The offensive lineman, Greg Little, was a big-time recruit. Uh, and they're recruiting pretty well right now. But, you know, the question is going to be when that when you don't have those sheer difference makers on offense anymore and you can't put 40 on a, on a defense that's suspect, um, and then you still can't play defense, it, it could get worse before it gets better. So hopefully for Matt Luke it doesn't. And I'm, I'm sure that going 2-0 and against Mississippi State would give him a lot, a lot of money in the bank with regards to that fan base. You know, I, I just uh, – I think this is one of the more underrated rivalries – uh, in the country, uh, when you really think about it, the Egg Bowl, I, I don't think people realize uh, the hate <laughs> that exists sometimes uh, between the Rebels and Bulldogs, and, and and sort of even in the last ten years, when you consider that uh, you know these schools used to kind of hemorrhage talent uh, out of that state, um, and. Mississippi's always had a lot of good football players, but a lot of them would go to LSU or go to Alabama uh, or go to Auburn or, or head to the Texas area or, or wherever, even Tennessee. But um, in the last 10 years, if you look at the recruiting aspect of it, Ole Miss and Mississippi State both have done an outstanding job, and that trend has continued, of keeping the in-state talent um, at home. And when you look at that, uh, I think that spiced up this rivalry uh, worse than anything because, you know, you're you're dealing with a finite number of prospects anyway. And when they're all in-state battles, you know, that tends to make the rivalry go 365. That's not to mention, you know, the issues Ole Miss has had with NCAA violations. Uh, The book that Steve Robertson wrote, who's a Mississippi State guy, uh, for using the the FOIA request uh, to basically uh, run down Hugh Freeze and, and and sort of run him off because he's the one that got uh, that number and you know Steve's a guy that works for a Mississippi State website. So there's all this drama with the Egg Bowl these days, and um, while certainly Ole Miss has a long-standing uh, series with LSU, they like to win. Uh, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss is one of the most uh, consecutively played uh, conference games in the country. I hate to call it a rivalry. Um, Ole Miss certainly loves to beat Alabama and Auburn and those schools. But the the Egg Bowl, to me, while it's always been intense, I've gotten a new appreciation for it. Given the circumstances within the last decade, and I think that will continue. Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. 
The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space, space. space to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped striped, striped. boat neck sweaters. sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. Another game on the board, a game between two schools from the ACC, one of which has had a disappointing year in Virginia Tech. Who would have thought after thumping Florida State at the beginning of the year that uh, they would just take a, a nosedive under Justin Fuente? They got a lot of issues, a lot of injuries, to be fair, uh, for Vodtech. And I'm a big fan of Justin Fuente. I think they'll be back. But they're taking on Virginia, and Virginia is actually the favorite in this game on the road in Blacksburg. Yeah, you know, Hokies, this all started over the summer when um, they kicked off some of the better players on the team, I think two starters in the secondary, and then everything just sort of snowballed from attrition to, to whatever. Uh, I think the warning signs were there when they lost at Old Dominion, um, still got off to a good start, and then, then injuries have just killed them. Quarterback, I mean, it's just been it's been bad. Okay, Virginia Tech – has a 14-game winning streak in this in-state series, okay? And, and this is another, like Mississippi-Mississippi State, an underrated rivalry. I covered Virginia Tech for a short time, actually uh, founded the Virginia Tech site on 24-7 Sports, vtscoop.com. You guys, uh, if you're Hokies, go there because Evan and the guys do an outstanding job. But um, th- this is one of those things where it's it sort of – it's a different dynamic because the you know the university of you know typically is the the, the school that's sort of open to everybody and the and the uh, you know the state school or, or whatever uh, and then the other school you know people kind of claim higher academics or whatever and that, that's usually how it is but not always but in Virginia and Virginia in Virginia and Virginia Tech is basically Virginia the state of Virginia State University. Uh, it's the big school, land grant school. Everybody goes to it. Um, it's where, like the, from what I was called, the normal folks. It's where they go. And then UVA, of course, is a public Ivy school. That's difficult to get into, and and all that good stuff. Thomas Jefferson University, if it will. So there's some class uh, warfare that sort of goes on with this one. But Virginia Tech has absolutely owned this series, and they've won all sorts of ways. They've won kicking field goals late. They've won unexpected shutouts. They've blown. I mean, it, it, it's been one of those where it doesn't matter. You know, Frank Beamer or Justin Fuente, they've owned it. I think this would be a big step here in the hundredth meeting between these two rivals if Bronco Mendenhall could break the streak. Bronco Mendenhall, to me, has already surpassed expectations uh, after a bad first year where I questioned the fit. Uh, he had a competitive team. And then this year, they have a pretty good football team, you know, for Virginia. Virginia's been down for a while, um, you know, and, and hiring a guy from BYU, I just sort of questioned it and didn't know, you know, how he would fit in. But he's done a great job. He wins this game tomorrow. You send the Hokies packing. You end their bowl streak in the 100th meeting at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. 
that's going to be huge for the UVA fan base and Bronco Mendenhall. I don't, you know, I followed this series for a while, and every time I think UVA has a shot, the Hokies end up either blowing them out or winning an improbable game. So it's hard for me to pick Virginia, but I think this is just a gigantic opportunity for the Hoos going down and playing the Hokies. Hey, if they win it, they go eight and four. Eight and that's four. Like that's eight. solid. <laughs> that's better than solid. I mean, that would be the most unheralded and quiet eight and four maybe in the country. Because Virginia has been a long ways from eight and four. I mean, George Welsh had it humming. And since then, it has been a rocky, rocky road in Charlottesville. Yeah, I mean, Al, you know, Al, Al Groh had a couple of good years with Matt, Sch- Matt Schaub at quarterback. But, Correct. Yep. You know, the, and, and their thing is, is that it, it never made sense to a lot of the Virginia Tech folks that UVA wasn't better because, you know, if you're coming from, you know, the Tidewater, 757, which is where a lot of that talent is in that state, you have to drive through Charlottesville to get to Blacksburg. Mm-hmm. And the Hokies just continuously out-recruited them. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the, the guy they had before, Bronco, um, good hire in my opinion. I, his, his name escapes me now, Mike Mike something. The guy uh, from Richmond? Yeah, the guy from Richmond because yeah. he could recruit, but he could never get his offense right. Yeah. Um, and, and then Bronco's taking it there. So it's so a big game in the Commonwealth of Virginia, 3.30 p.m. Friday on ABC. By the way, uh, so last week, Virginia plays Georgia Tech, right? And and somehow they, they lose 30 to 27. Um, so you say, wow, the ACC playing a really strong at-a-conference schedule in week 12. Well, their at-a-conference schedule includes Richmond, Ohio, and Liberty. Okay, so again, it's just to get into that to get in that debate and try to say that the ACC is bulking up on incredibly strong out-of-conference opponents and the SEC just plays a bunch of SOCON teams, it's it's a ridiculous argument and should not be taken seriously, but yet it is in many circles. Tell you what, (coughs) excuse me, what is taken seriously is some other good games on the board, including the Apple Cup. This is one of my favorite unheralded rivalries. I say unheralded. If you live on the left coast, it's not unheralded at all. If you live in the state of Washington, it's not unheralded at all. But it gets lost in the shuffle. And for a while there, it really got lost in the shuffle because both Washington and Washington State went through periods where they were awful. You have the Tyrone Willingham era at Washington, which was brutal. You have many, many years post-Ryan Leaf, post-Mike Price at Washington State, pre-Mike Leach that were brutal. But now both those programs seem to be on solid footing. And this is a really enticing matchup, and it's probably the best chance that Washington State has had to win this game in a while. That being said, you better win it. Yeah, I mean, Washington, probably a bit of a disappointment this year at 8-3. and three. I think most people had them as the favorite in the Pac-12 going in into the season. And look, it's not out of the question that they win it. Um, and I'll tell you why. I mean, you, you know, you look at the Apple Cup and you, and you look at sort of the Pac-12 standings, and, and I'm sure everybody in the Pac-12 is pulling for Wazoo. That's their only shot with the playoff. And I think they need some help to do it. Uh, went, the winner of this game wins the North and plays Utah for the conference title. Washington wins. Washington wins the division. <laughs> and so Washington, the Pac-12 favorite at the beginning of the year, ends up you know having a chance to win it anyway. Um, 
You know, it's in Pullman. Uh, this series has had some really good games uh, over time. And, uh, you know, Washington State was during sort of Washington's trip through the abyss. Uh, Washington State had some really good football teams under Mike Price. You know, I, I think Wazoo is one of the better stories this year. Um, I think that uh, if you kind of look at it, you know, should Ohio State beat Michigan? Uh, and then if Oklahoma loses to West Virginia, and we're going to talk about that game in a second, you could see a path. Uh, you know, if I, you know, you got because you could see a debate coming down. For some reason, the committee is not high on Ohio State. Uh, you could see Washington State slipping in. You know, provided there's not something that happens like Georgia winning the SEC and, and all that good stuff. You you could see. The, the Cougars of out of anybody, they, they do have a path. And I think they deserve to be in over an undefeated UCF every day and twice on Sunday. So huge game with huge stakes in Pullman. And they've had some, some big games this year. You know, game day was out there for a ball game. You know, they've, they, they've gone on the road and won at Stanford. Mike Leach wins at Colorado for the first time ever. Um, it's been a great year, um, but certainly uh, – the apple would turn sour with a loss to <laughs> UW on Saturday because at that point, Washington State loses everything. I mean, they, they probably lose. They may get like a Fiesta Bowl, but they, they lose a Rose Bowl, um, which is a consolation prize. If they, if they don't make the playoff, they lose a Rose Bowl, division title, shot at a conference title. Everything you could play for is on the line this weekend for the Cougars. Yeah, it would be devastating. And, you know, you're going to lose, obviously, your quarterback and some other key cogs from that team. You have to wonder if Washington State is going to have this good of an opportunity anytime in the near future. Uh, I'm not suggesting they're going to fall off a cliff, not as long as Mike Leach is the coach, but I am suggesting that the type of stakes we're talking about right now for Wazoo might not be there again for the for a while so it's a big game for that program for a number of different reasons i will say this so you mentioned and i'm with you on the ucf thing the question then becomes and i do think there's a lot of urban meyer hate going into some of the ohio state voting although they have not looked impressive and quite frankly their their effort level has been abysmal on defense and sometimes overall but if it's ohio state does spring an upset against michigan and it, it comes down to a, a one-loss Ohio State and a one-loss Wazoo. I still tend to think Ohio State gets in. Do you disagree? No, I don't. And, and I, I, should they get in? Yes. Will they? I don't know. Because mm-hmm. for some, there's something about the committee that's sort of, you know, going against their body of work, the, the committee this year. Um, and I'm not a big fan of some of the public comments that, that Rod Mullins, I think Rod Mullins is his name, the chair has made, you know, oh, we almost ranked Clemson over Alabama this way. Well, why? Because they, they were tied with an option FCS team at halftime. Are we really going to do that? They won the game 50-17. to 17. Right. I mean, are we really going to sit there and, and, and start picking that apart just to kind of stir the pot and start drunk? No. Come on, man. Um, you know, and, 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 I, and, not, and that's nothing against Clemson. I mean, it's just, you know, again, body of work. Uh, do I think Ohio State should be in with one loss over Washington State with one loss? Probably. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, but but then again, you know, you, you look at Washington State, they, they tripped up one time. 
you know, the, the quality win factor comes into play. Ohio State struggles with a, you know, four and seven Nebraska team. But what I would get back to is this. Number one, eyeball test. I think Ohio State on a neutral field would beat Washington State eight out of ten times, at least, probably more. Uh, there'd be a lot of points scored, obviously, but uh, I, I think I think Ohio State would win that game because I think they've just got better athletes. Number two, you have to ask yourself, is the Pac-12 top to bottom a stronger conference than the Big Ten? And no. you, you have to weigh the better teams in the Big Ten – and the better teams in the Pac-12 heavier. You can't sit there and go, well, uh, you know, Arizona State is better than Iowa or, or whatever, you know, whatever kind of Minnesota, whoever you want to talk about. Um, you know, you, you got to sort of weigh it, and, and, I, and I think that's going to be the question. And, you know, I, and I, for some reason they're not biting on Ohio State, but what's great about the playoff committee is sometimes one win – can jack you up and, and, and you know, and, and, and allow you to leapfrog it. It's sort of not like the AP poll where you have to wait for other teams to lose to move up. Well, if, if you just take brass tacks, okay, take out the fact that Ohio State has not looked good in some wins. Uh, and again, I do think there is some urban residue because these are not computers voting in that room. These are 13 human beings with a brain and a heart. Um, I think a win over Michigan, and you could not deny the fact that the Big Ten is a better conference. And oh, by the way, it's not like they got a break on the scheduling of the Big Ten. They will have played at Penn State, at Michigan State, at Maryland, who's obviously a formidable team this year, and of course, Michigan. Uh, not to mention, while Washington State scheduled nobody with a pulse out of conference, Ohio State scheduled a game. Didn't look, doesn't look as impressive now, but when you go in week three at TCU against a Gary Patterson coach team, I'm going to give you some credit for that. And so I, I, to me, Ohio State versus Washington State, personally, I think Washington State's a better story. If I'm, if I'm picking with my heart, I'd rather see Wazoo in a playoff than Ohio State. But if I'm on that committee and I'm doing my job right, I'm sorry, I think it has to be Ohio State over wazoo in that situation and that might be the the only bit of controversy if we have any in this whole thing everybody likes to talk about if georgia beats alabama would alabama still get in as a as an at-large I and mean, we can have that debate ad nauseum but uh for the most part the committee and this and this 30 minute show that, that they do every tuesday has been beyond non-compelling because there's nothing that's going on in college football this year that's overly compelling in terms of the playoff race it's just been a ho-hum year and that's Sometimes that's just the way it is in, in any sport. Uh, sometimes the, the cream rises to the to the top, and, and in this case, we, we've known who the top teams are since August, and there's been very few major surprises in college football, but that's a story for another day as we continue to look at some of the big games. And you, you teased it earlier, Oklahoma, West Virginia. This is one worth watching. That'll be on uh, 8 o'clock prime time. A lot of things to play for. If you're Oklahoma, you still want to think you have a chance. I'm going to throw a crazy monkey wrench into this whole equation real quick, JC, because I don't think Oklahoma, again, they don't beat out Clemson and they don't beat out the Big Ten champ, in my opinion. And so they've got to hope something goes wrong. They got to hope Notre Dame gets upset by Southern Cal. They got to hope uh, Clemson somehow loses, which is not happening. They got to hope Georgia upsets Alabama in the SEC championship. There's a lot of hope there. A lot of hope. Um, 
you could make the argument, and I don't think the Big 12 thinks like this. You know, they're, they're going to they're going to want Oklahoma winning this game and, and to somehow squeak in as the number four team in the, in the playoff. But you could make the argument that the best thing for the Big 12 long term is that Oklahoma does win this game, but Texas wins the Big 12 championship. And I'll tell you why. Texas is obviously not going to a playoff, even if they win the championship. But that would be a proclamation that, hey, we now have an, our, one of our bell cow programs, one of our marquee programs, they're back. And the Big 12 is back. And it's not just Oklahoma and nine other teams just trying to play for whatever uh, consolation prize they can muster up. Uh, the Big 12 is back because the two premier programs are back. And then you add in West Virginia, and you know Gary Patterson will be good again at TCU. And Mike Gundy always is, is some kind of force, just can't get over the hump in, in Stillwater. I think it would actually be going looking ahead from 2019 on best if Texas won the Big 12. Now, nobody's going to want to hear that. Because if you're a Big 12 and you're, you're sitting there and you want so desperately to be included in this thing again, uh, you, you're going to pull for Oklahoma to win the whole thing, and you're going to hope like heck that an upset happens and they, and they get in. But I think long term for the conference, you could make a strong case the best thing for it is for Texas to bring home the trophy. I agree with your point there because, I mean, those are the two marquee programs in that league. And, you know, West Virginia has had a nice year this year, and, and, and you do have – I mean, you know, Texas Tech has to beat Baylor to get to a bowl. I think if you look at where they were when they lost to Ole Miss uh, the first week of the season, that they've played some good ball. You know TCU will be back, that type of thing. Um, and I also think in the short term, they probably want Oklahoma to win this game, and I'll tell you why. Because you look at the conference, cha- look at conference championship Saturday. Conference championship Saturday. There's some upstarts, Mike. ACC is Clemson versus Pitt. Pac-12 is going to be Washington or Washington State versus Utah. Big Ten is going to be Ohio State or Michigan versus Northwestern. SEC, Alabama, Georgia, huge matchup, the one everybody wants to see. But if you look at it from a rating standpoint and a marquee program standpoint and a game people are going to tune into and watch and celebrate uh, no matter what, you've got Oklahoma, Texas. That's automatically the second best conference championship game matchup when you look at it. I'm not saying it's going to be the most compelling because if Northwestern Pitt or Utah pulls a surprise, that's going to be huge news, obviously. But, you know, you're sitting around on that Saturday trying to watch a game. Say you're like a a South Carolina fan and you you watch the game against Akron and you're looking for something else. (laughs) Oklahoma, Texas is one I think you tune into. That's a classic rivalry game. And Mm -hmm. right there in Dallas where it's always played, but it's going to be at Jerry World. And, um, you know, the the fans will be split 50-50. And it'll be compelling if you want to see Texas, um, you know, pull it out, uh, or Oklahoma, see if they can't get into it. Now, the caveat's going to be is, is, number one, if Kansas beats Texas, which I don't think is happening, or, or number two, if West Virginia wins, it's West Virginia versus Texas in Dallas. And then, you know, that's probably going to be a pretty fun matchup. It was the first time they played. But, uh, you know, at, at that point, you know, you're, you're looking at two teams trying to vie for, what, the, the Sugar Bowl or Fiesta Bowl, something like that. 
So um, it, it's a little less compelling. But I, I'm with you on that. That that should be a heck of a game in Morgantown. Biggest game in Morgantown, stakes wise, in my opinion, like in terms of what this means in terms of championships since the 2007. Pitt, West Virginia uh, game. I knew you were going there. When West Virginia was ranked, what, second in the country with Pat yep. White. Pitt, with the, the one stash, goes in there, and, and, and that's a rivalry game that they should actually play more often. Pitt goes in there, beats them 13, beats Rich Rodriguez on that powerful offense, 13 to 9 on a cold night in Morgantown and breaks their heart. So um, I think uh, I think this is a, a, <coughs> the biggest game in a decade up there in Morgantown, West Virginia. No doubt. And I'm convinced Rich Rodriguez wakes up in a cold sweat at least once a week with a nightmare over that game because that game signified essentially the end of his career. Mm -hmm. I mean, Rich Rodriguez was one of the hottest names in coaching. Of course, we know what happened. He winds up leaving for Michigan, and that turned into a debacle. Then he goes out west. And now Rich Rodriguez is is a punchline. He's irrelevant. But back then, if they win that game – and they're playing for a national championship. Who knows what happens? What? How different Rich Rodriguez's career could be? And, and he turned down the Alabama job the year before. Remember, right. they went. They yes. went. They went. Saban Spurrier both said thanks, but no thanks. Rodriguez looked like the guy, right? And, and then he turns it down to stay at West Virginia. Has this amazing year, and was you know in, in his home state, um, you know, and and, and then was never a fit at Michigan at all. I, I, you no. know, I think, I think that loss, you know, had they gone on and played LSU or Ohio state? Cause I think, I think, I think, I think Ohio state was a one loss team and it would have been Ohio state, West Virginia. If they would have played Ohio state in the national championship game in the sugar bowl, I think they could have beaten that team mm-hmm. and won a national title. And, and I, I think that, you know, you kind of look at the, that three year period, Oh six to Oh eight, and how his career unfolded at the time, and 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 really that was the trap door, uh, and it's a little sad, you know. I mean, he did win a division title at Arizona, but didn't last very long there. And um, you know, we'll see if he ever gets back in. Yeah, Pat White was a hell of a quarter, hell of a college quarterback. Yes, uh, that was a good West Virginia team. All right, quick hitters because we're running tight on time. Kentucky, Louisville. Uh, uh. I- you know, Louisville just—they're just ready to get this season over with. This is a chance for Kentucky to finish the season at nine and three. That's a hell of a year Mark Stoops has put together in Lexington. Yeah, I think it could get them in line for possibly the Capital One Bowl in Orlando. I guess it's back to being the Citrus Bowl now in Orlando. Uh, maybe the Outback Bowl. I, I certainly think they deserve it. I mean, an outside shot really. At a, a New Year's Six bowl game, let's say LSU goes down to A and M or something like that, or Florida loses to Florida State, they could they could honestly play in the Peach Bowl, which would be a great uh, great accomplishment for Mark Stoops. Jake Bentley just saw him in, in person. He, he is coming on. He's looking really good again. Uh, whatever was spelling him earlier in the year when he looked awful against Kentucky, uh, he is back. Debo is back. A Gamecock offense looking pretty good, but defensively, how do you slow down Clemson right now? I just don't think uh, the Gamecocks have, you know, the horses in the barn uh, on defense to slow Clemson or even stop them consistently. They're going to need a lot of turnovers on that side of the ball, which Clemson doesn't really do. 
Um, the thing about this game is, is this: you look at the games Clemson's lost since they've been on the run. They're they're fifty one and four. Okay, they've lost twice to Alabama. Uh, once in the national championship game. Once last year in the Sugar Bowl. That's Alabama. <laughs> so let's toss those out. The other two times they have lost against Pitt in 2016 at home, 43-42, to 42, where Matt Canada had the game plan of his life. And Pitt, sort of like the Gamecocks, were really they beat up on defense, couldn't play defense well that year at all. Um, and then Syracuse, which has played them tough three out of the last four years because of the tempo offense. So I think if South Carolina is going to stay in the game, uh, and I do think after looking up and down the schedule, you know, this is the best offense Clemson's faced this year. Will it matter? I don't know. Because Clemson's got a lot of NFL players on its defense and has one of the best defenses in the country, so it may not matter. But I think the key for the Gamecocks is going to be not to go in there and do like they've done the last two years, which they have a different offensive coordinator now, and try to slow it down and keep the protect the defense or whatever nonsense that is. You know, the key, obviously the key, when you're not a superpower like Bama, to, to, to being in the game with Clemson is to take advantage of when they sort of gamble on defense, because they do, and, and just kind of take the fight to them with tempo and things like that. And that's the only chance. I mean, th- those are the teams that have stayed with Clemson. Even NC State last year, Eli Drinkwitz and, and sort of that offense they had, a really creative game plan that kept the Tigers off balance. So there have been times where that's happened. Do I think it will happen this weekend? You know, that's what's going to have to happen for it to be any sort of a game because South Carolina is so beat up on defense right now, and it's it's just going to be awfully tough uh, to go in there and slow them down at all. It's going to be very difficult. I, I would just add one thing, and that is I, I, I think it's important. The last two years have been pretty lopsided. It's important for Carolina to compete in that game. Uh, good recruiting class coming in for Will Muschamp. A lot of key players will be back for next year's team, which I think will actually have higher expectations overall. Um, but you, you don't want to continually get blown out. It's, Clemson is obviously at their high water mark as a program. This run that Dabo is on, it's unprecedented in program history. So it's not to be, it's not going to be a surprise if Clemson wins this game to much of anybody, but if you're Carolina, you'd like to go there and at least have a good showing and have something positive to build upon and then try to take care of Akron next week, win a bowl game, finish with an eight win season, 17 over two years, which will be the best start for any head coach in Gamecock history in this first three years. Clemson's on a four game win streak in the series. They've outscored South Carolina in the first half, the last four years, 89 to 13. That is strong, stronger than dog's breath. Including 55 nothing the last two years. So the Gamecocks, you know, they need to be hanging around uh, to have any shot at this game. Georgia, Georgia Tech, uh, this is a rivalry. <laughs> it's a rivalry that doesn't get any national pub because Georgia Tech, even when they win the game, it's just there's just so lack of a buzz surrounding Georgia Tech football <laughs> I mean, if you live in Atlanta, which is where the camp. Yeah, you said buzz they there. Have the pro- it's yeah, I didn't mean that pun, but yeah. why not? Um, I, look, I think Georgia Tech at some point could be a top 25 program again. I don't know if it's going to be under Paul Johnson or not, but 
for whatever reason, they are just kind of stuck in that holding pattern and nobody, this is not even like the top three in terms of games in the Georgia schedule, because they don't really look at Georgia tech as a true, they don't look at Georgia tech as in their league. They look at Auburn in their league. They look at Florida in their league, South Carolina, Tennessee, eventually all in their league. They look at Georgia tech and like, we're supposed to beat them. What's a big deal. It's going to be a less than intimidating crowd. Uh, as it typically is in that stadium, there'll be a lot of red and black. Well, so. uh, it's in Athens. Yes. It's in Athens. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Which is I, the, my site, bad. Between the hedges, the side of the last two Georgia tech wins in this series. That is Paul true. Been there. Yeah, so. that, that is true. That is true. Uh, and, and Mark Richt can, can tell you a thing or two about that. But, uh, even when it is in Atlanta, it's, it's just kind of the same old, Oh yeah, I've been there. you just, you just don't get a sense. I've been to that game too. Uh, so look, Georgia back in action. And, and while fields look good last week, it's going to be back to the Jake Fromm show and Georgia rolls. And then they get ready for Atlanta and a game that everybody will have their eyes on in the sec championship game. I would be nervous as a lady of the night, at a tent revival, if I were Georgia in this game, really, and I'll tell you why. Wow, okay. Because num- number one, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not high on Georgia Tech at all. I think they hang in the balance every year with almost every game. You know, they'll play a sister of the poor from the. They'll have SoCon Saturday. They'll win forty five thirty nine. They'll play Miami or Florida State or somebody. You know, every anybody outside of Clemson. They'll win or lose 45-39. I mean, it's just they just hang in the balance because they don't have a lot of talent, but that system's tough. The option is an odd thing. Georgia's defense has been good this year. There is no question about it. It's not as good as last year's. Georgia is 27th in run defense nationally, which is very respectful. Georgia Tech is 40th in run defense, which is, you know, only slightly worse. But when Georgia Tech goes out there – it's a it's a big crowd. Georgia wants to win. They don't like Tech, but they hate playing the option. Georgia Tech actually beat Kirby Smart two years ago in Athens. It is a tough sandwich game because you, you put 66 up on UMass last week. You've been rolling. You smacked down Florida. You smacked down Kentucky. Since the LSU game, <coughs> excuse me, cranberry sauce, uh, everything has been status quo. And there's this huge hype game against Bama because you know that's that's you don't have any kind of margin for achievement at Georgia if you're Kirby Smart, other than hey, are you going to go beat Bama? Because that's why you were hired, and and so there's a psychological thing. And and also, Paul Johnson usually has his teams ready to play. So if I'm Georgia, I'm not going to put them on upset alert, Mike, but I'm going to caution. When you play the option, just like Bama last week, you're not used to it, and you have a team in Georgia Tech that has nothing to play for except beating you and then going to whatever ACC Bowl tie-in game they have um, that you know relishes getting a shot at the SEC, especially Georgia. A lot of Georgia kids on the Georgia Tech roster, regardless of the fact that they probably weren't recruited by Georgia. Um, that right, could, that could right. play a factor. But just I'm just saying, beware – uh, you know, just because of the style of play in this one and what's coming forward and what's coming up for Georgia. So you're not putting Georgia on upset alert. You're putting Georgia on tech could cover the spread alert. Yes. Okay. I got you. <laughs> and, and, and there, there could be some tight, tight, tight behunkuses 
in the stands. Yeah. At uh, you know, because there's sometimes this game's really close. I mean, I, I know Larry I know. Munson I've, used to. We had no business beating him today. You know, but all um, right. You know, so I, we'll, I got we'll you. see. I would just say, you know. Be careful with that one. And I'll tell you, all you ACC fans, if that happens, that has nothing to do with how good the ACC is. It's because <laughs> Georgia decided, eh, we, we don't have to stop the option today <laughs> yeah. and makes a ton of mistakes. Okay, fair enough. Uh, two more before we get to the big one. Florida, Florida State. Florida State will – Looks like a completely unmotivated bunch, except when they play Miami, and I would expect them to be motivated against Florida. So you will get Willie Taggart's best shot in this game. And again, Felipe Franks is playing quarterback, so I never rule out the possibility of the opponent winning the game. So I still think Florida is too much. I think they, they're they're clicking a little bit better now. I, I take nothing from blowing out Idaho and Felipe Franks lighting it up against the Vandals. But uh, what was once a really good rivalry that always seemed to have two teams in the top 10. I think Steve Spurrier mentioned the other day on an interview when he played Florida State in his 12 years, I think they were in the top four, 11 of the 12 times they played the Seminoles. Mm -hmm. Pretty tough game right before the SEC championship game. And they, yeah, they played them 14, actually 14, because they played them twice in both Twice games. in the postseason, right. Once after the choke at Doak and then once for the national title. Um. Yeah, that was a different deal back then. Uh, different deal for Steve Spurrier, and, and that was a different Florida State for sure. I mean, the, the state of of college football in the state of Florida is a different deal. You see what's happened to Miami. I mean, the fact that we keep talking about UCF and we're was <laughs> the only team that's exceeding expectations right now in the Sunshine State. But this would be Dan Mullen. I mean, by no means am I diminishing the importance of this game for Dan Mullen and company. You win this, and you you earn some. Some good favor with your fan base. Uh, you go to a bowl game, try to win there, and, and continue that momentum because they, they know they got to get better players. And I, at some point, I'm convinced they got to get a quarterback. I don't think two years from now, Felipe Franks is starting as a senior if Dan Mullen gets what he wants in recruiting. So uh, it, it's always an interesting matchup, but it is kind of interesting to look at it compared to what it used to be and what it is right now. Auburn, Alabama, ordinarily this would have been a headliner. Alabama's a 24-point favorite. Do you give Auburn a chance? I, I do, and, I, and I'll, I'll say because of Auburn's defense, um, I, I think that you know you could see a situation where it, it, it's a tight competitive game. I mean, this is Auburn's – you know, Auburn doesn't really have anything else to play for. You know, they, they win and get to eight. You know, maybe that's the Outback Bowl instead of the Gator or the Belt Bowl or Music City, wherever they're going. Um, and and it, it means a lot. That game means a ton. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that Alabama offensively has been as impressive the last few weeks. Um, you know, I think the Citadel game certainly featured some hiccups without their normal personnel in the first half, and then they poured it on. Um and, and again, Alabama's got another game that, you know, will be a rematch of last year's national title game, which was a classic, uh, to play for. And they've got bigger fish to fry. Um, you know, if Auburn can find a way uh, to slow Bama on, on defense, uh, you know, I, I think they have a shot. But, th you know, this is not the Jalen Hurts Bama team that Auburn shut down last year. This is a team with a lot more weapons. It's a lot more explosive. So maybe a close game at half with Bama pulling away late, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, definitely one of those things that, uh, 
you look at when when you're talking about Bama. You know, some people are down on them because they scored 29 against LSU and 24 against Mississippi State. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't think I think Bama's probably gone through a a slight dip like most teams do. Uh, and they're probably going to get it right. Uh, and if you're Auburn, you got to hope they don't get it right on Saturday. And I think Gus Malzahn's going to find some kind of trick play or something to muster some sort of offense early. I think the only thing that Alabama has shown to, to give anybody a little bit of hope is that Tua is human. He is not indeed a robot. I know some people now are jumping on the Kyler Murray bandwagon for Heisman. I, I, I'm not there. I'm sorry. I mean, Tua is still, to me, the best player in college football alabama's still the best team in college football they will prove that in this game this could be jared stidham's last game as an armor tiger a lot of people think that's pretty much a done deal he's ready to go pro and, and playing an offense that's more fitting to his skills and maybe that's good news for auburn who knows but uh i, I think alabama takes care of business reminds everybody that they are the best team in the country. Well, you know, even while Alabama's offense has hit a few hiccups here, their defense has just gotten that much better. So yeah. that's even when one side of the football looks human, the other side just gets better with time. All those young guys on defense have evolved and matured, uh, which is bad news for Auburn and bad news for everybody else in college football. Uh, and then the big one, Michigan, Ohio State. And before we break that down, it's kind of the last hoorah of our podcast here i do want to mention bp skinner clothiers i got a chance to see brent uh, this past weekend still doing a great job outfitting people all across the country people like myself like myself people like marty smith of espn people like coaches players everyday businessmen everybody across the country i say across the country because again you don't have to come to him he goes out there he is he is killing it on the road he is burning up the road uh whether it's flying to you driving to you whatever the case may be he will provide you with a level of personalized service that has become very rare today quite frankly and if you've been to these chain stores you know what i'm talking about that is why he will offer to come to you for fittings and consultations from setting your first appointment to picking up your final garment they aim to make the process of your custom wardrobe smooth and painless not to mention they got the best threads and duds and stuff you can possibly get. And I've learned that firsthand just what a difference it makes in terms of your appearance and, quite frankly, in terms of the way you feel. Check them out. Go to bpskinnerclothiers.com. It's bpskinnerclothiers.com. You'll be so glad that you did. You'll be looking great. Treat yourself this holiday season. Now, you don't want a thing, a cologne or something. Have your wife go ahead and say, honey, I got your Brent Skinner. That's the best gift that you can give anybody this holiday season. Okay, the best gift that we could have as college football fans is for Michigan-Ohio State to be an epic, epic battle in Columbus this Saturday. Michigan finally favored in this game. It's kind of funny. I've been hearing people pose the question, well, who's the pressure on? Is it more on Ohio State or is it more on Michigan? I don't think there's any question. It's more on Michigan because everybody's saying Ohio State has lost its thunder now. If Jim Harbaugh doesn't pull this off, he's going to get beat up the entire offseason. I think it's going to be a great game. I can't wait. I think Urban Meyer is really good in situations like this as a head coach. Um, I think with all the crap they've been through this year, um, and I'm not trying to downplay any of it. I think you know some of it's valid crap. Um, and I think the fact their defense isn't good is, is, is stunning given the way they recruit and the coaches they have on that staff. Um, but, 
Yeah, I think the, the, the Michigan hasn't won this game, Mike, in a long time. And it is such an intense rivalry game. And there is so much at stake, not only for Michigan, but for Harbaugh. You know, a Michigan man, the savior of the program. Um, they're stupid. They were stupid hot seat talk, which I thought was ridiculous. But, yep. you know, Michigan fans, they, they want to go beat they want to beat Michigan State, but they're kind of used to that, you know, uh, as far as, you know, the overall series. But that, that game with what they call Ohio, they call them Ohio, uh, is very, 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 very important. And Ohio State's won this game six years in a row. Urban Meyer has not lost to Michigan. They are 0-6 since Urban got to Columbus. Uh, and likewise, Urban Meyer is a big Ohio guy, and he probably wants to beat Michigan every year. Michigan wins that, and then, you know, they had a close game with Northwestern the first time. So you can't rule out an upset completely. But they win this, go take care of business against Northwestern. They're going to the playoff, which I think would be a tremendous accomplishment. I have every personal reason to want that because I predicted on Twitter Harbaugh would have them in the playoff within three years. Um, and if it hadn't been for a upset loss at Iowa two years ago, they'd have gotten there probably in two. Uh, but you get there in four, that's not that bad. Um, you unseat the Buckeyes and cause them more grief, especially Urban Meyer, who you've never beaten. And you win at the Horseshoe in Columbus. That being said, if I had to pick, I'd pick Ohio State. What? Really? I, I, I hate it. I got Michigan. I got two, two really good friends of mine are Michigan fans. I want to see them win. Um, I'm not going to really pull for anybody, but, you know, if, if, if the game was on the line, I'd want Michigan to win the game because, you know, I'd be happy for my friends and happy for my own personal prediction. But I just think, it, you know, like Admiral Akbar said in one of the Star Wars, <laughs> it's a trap. I think Michigan is walking into a trap. They finally got there. They got the Michigan State thing taken care of. You know, they're the favorite. Everybody's talking them up. Playoff, they've been in the top four. You know, the Notre Dame loss is way in the rearview mirror. Um, they've got a quarterback, you know, Jim freaking Harbaugh on the sidelines. Ohio State's been in turmoil. It's kind of the law of averages. Ohio State, would I'd have to pick Ohio State to win. I don't think that that's a crazy prediction by any chance. I mean, heck, Vegas has the game as a four-and-a-half-point spread. I just didn't think you were going there. Um, and I don't think it's crazy logic at all. I think you hit on all the key points. The only reason I'm picking Michigan and the only reason to me why that streak is what it is is that Michigan hasn't had a quarterback. And now they have one in Shea Patterson. And look, I'm not saying Shea's flawless, okay? There are times he still gets falls in love with his feet more than his arm. There are times he still makes some poor decisions. And this is the game of his life. And Shea Patterson's another guy who thinks he's NFL bound after this season. That concerns me a little bit. I'm not I'm not sitting here and telling you that Shea Patterson is going to light it up Saturday. In fact, I have some I have some concerns there, but I think he's good enough combined with Michigan's salty defense and combined with Jim Harbaugh that they finally get this done. 
So I'm going to take Michigan. But I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, one of the ones we've been waiting for this year, because quite frankly, as we've talked about a number of times, this has not been a most the most memorable college football season in terms of drama. Uh, it's been pretty ho-hum. It's been pretty predictable. We need a good game like this uh, on Saturday between these two teams. I hope that we have yeah, it. Yeah, and I think the matchups totally favor Michigan. I mean, Ohio State's got a poor defense. Michigan's very competent and to good on offense, especially with Shea Patterson. I don't understand for the life of me why Urban Meyer has decided to go air raid with his offense and Dwayne Haskins, um, but he has. So, so if Michigan's defense, which is pretty salty, can harass him and force some errant throws, it could end up being a long day for the Buckeyes. I just feel like with the way it's set up, something inside of me says Buckeyes. But, you know, like I said, uh, and I'm not pulling against anybody here. I just I just hope that I'm wrong for the good of my buddies that are Michigan fans and, and also <laughs> for the, the good of Jim Harbaugh and my personal predictions. I think if Jim Harbaugh wins, he's going to be drinking milk straight out of the carton for the rest of 2018. And who does not love that image here on Thanksgiving week? Speaking of which... We're going to sign off here on Thanksgiving week. Hope everybody has had a great Thanksgiving and continues all throughout this weekend. It's all about family and camaraderie and everything else. There's nothing but good surrounding Thanksgiving, and hopefully there'll be nothing but good surrounding these games over this weekend. JC, happy Thanksgiving to you, and look forward to talking to you next week. Same to you, brother, and we'll uh, wrap it all up next week and look forward to championship week. Absolutely. For J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long from now. We'll see you next time on the J.C. and Morgan podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space Space. Space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped boat neck sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped boat neck sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from.